on today's Compassion Radio. You need to be abundantly clear and just draw a line in the sand and say, this is the rule. My wife really respected me on that. When we were able to go and be put into a situation with so much uncertainty, since my wife and I both desire the same thing, and that was to serve these people and uh, have God use us, God brought that certainty. Sometimes the way God works is much closer to home than we expected. Hi, Bram Floria here with Compassion Radio, the rubber meets the road broadcast of faith and action. Yesterday we introduced you to Max and Leslie Hackett, a couple with big hearts and even bigger faith. Their story of stepping in to help Ukrainian refugees is inspiring and motivational. It's also a story of trying to figure out what God is really up to in times like these. We'll conclude that conversation today. Thanks for joining us. They opened up to us and going back to what I said, he asked about why smile and happy because he said, you know, I don't understand why you would do this. I don't understand why you would open your home to a stranger. That simple question just said, you know what, we want to share Jesus and we want to help. And if we were in your place, we would hope that someone would do the same for us. I can't quite remember the full conversation, but you can see he was processing what was happening and why it is we were doing what we were doing. So we developed a friendship and they've made us a Ukrainian meal one night and it was wonderful. (laughs) They wanted to make us something. And Mm -hmm. so I said, that sounds wonderful. We will have whatever you want to make us because they asked, what do you like? You make us whatever is something typical. And we would love to yeah. share that with yeah. you. I think another aspect you asked, how did our friendship progress? Mm-hmm. God helped us create a safe place in our home for them. I think of several conversations I had with Stoss. He was very open about some of the struggles that he had been dealing with over the past several weeks. A little bit of their background was, this conversation is in summary, but everyone in Ukraine knew that Russia was going to invade. It was just a matter of time. Stas and Diana were young. They had opportunity to get jobs in the European Union, in Poland and in Germany. And so they said the opportunity to get entry-level jobs in the European Union can then translate into better jobs in the European Union. Right. So they went there, they were working for over a year, and they're living in Poland, then the war happens. If Stas went back to Ukraine, he would be sent to war. Right. If he doesn't go back to Ukraine, then he's a coward. Right. Mm. Diana, you know, articulated it well when she said that they were living in Poland, there was US military coming, there was French and British military coming, the border was being armed, all of these things were happening in Poland, where it felt like war was coming. Mm -hmm. So she said, well, if we go to Ukraine, then there's war. But if we stay in Poland, then there's war too. Stas and Diana talked to each set of their parents, and both sets of parents said, just go to the US. You have this opportunity, just go. 
both of them have said, and this might be a political statement, but both of them have verbalized that within the Ukraine, while there's a lot of nationalism to fight the Russians and to defend their home, many people in Ukraine feel that until the West, until NATO really comes with more resources and troops and so on, it's just a matter of time before Russia might end up actually winning. Mm-hmm. That is what their impression was when, when they were talking to me. Anyway, Stas unloaded this on me. You know, he, yes. he said he's like, so I, that's a heavy burden that, for him to it, carry. That, that's a heavy burden. And you um, can tell he struggled with that. Then Diana is concerned about her brothers who are fighting. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to make a life here. Diana said, I don't know if I have a home to go back to. Right. I would go back to Ukraine one day, but I don't know if I ever will. And to be living in Poland and feel like, well, we just can't escape war, even living in Poland. Mm -hmm. Looking at the news, I feel like that might be a fairly accurate observation. It's not an unreasonable read from the circumstance that they found themselves in, for sure. Of course, we weren't getting much of the the ground truth coming from the other surrounding countries and how busy that activity was, like like an anthill. But yeah, what you're talking about in the sauce is something that is very akin to survivor's guilt, where you don't know why necessarily you feel guilty about things, but you know that if I had done anything different, I may not survive this, and my wife needs me, and am I a coward? What am I? I mean, some people that are displaced go through a whole long list of what am I's. Where do mm-hmm. I fit in? Why me now? Why was I saved or have opportunity when someone else did not? How did you pour life into them in that kind of confusion or moral peril that they were dealing with? I just felt like our job was to love them. I just felt like we were to just love them as they were and be a listening ear. You know, we downloaded a Google app as a translator in case we got stuck on some words. I feel like my role was just to love. Yeah. One of the ways I felt like I could do that, I mentioned that she cleans a bakery in the evenings and Stas would go to help her because if one person does it, it would take her three hours. If two people do it, it would take her an hour and a half. So I said, well, what if I come too? So I went with them and I went, I was like, this is a much bigger bakery than I thought. And she had me mop the entire thing. And I knew what it was like to clean and do that kind of manual labor, but we got it done in 40 minutes. Awesome. From three hours to 40 minutes, just another simple way, me mopping a a bakery just so they could get home earlier to rest. Giving them the gift of time. Yeah. Just have more time. But I invited her on walks and she would walk with me and I showed her around and we want to take them out on the boat, just do things. They She showed us pictures. They went to Silverwood. And Which is she a sh- big amusement park. Up here. Yeah. That's right. Amusement park. And she she just showed me a picture of her screaming on the, on the <laughs> roller coaster and something new, you know, yeah. something fun that they hadn't really done. And mm-hmm. I feel like our role was to listen. To listen and not judge, just love them for who they are and that they're Mm -hmm. here. And I think that was the biggest thing that God showed me. They stayed with us for about six weeks and I was sad. I was was sad that they were gone because I was like, oh, Lord, was that enough time? Like, did I share you enough? I'm questioning if I did anything. And I just had to be reminded, like, you loved them. And the relationship is not over just because they're not here in our home. 
that's a reminder to check in and to make sure. But overall, that was our role. Our role was to love. Our role was to listen. And we asked, is there anything tangible that we can help you? And we did help them a little bit with some paperwork. Mm -hmm. That was one of the ways I was able to help Stoss was, you know, the entire legal process, which I'm not completely familiar with, but I can Google like nobody's business. (laughs) You're a doctor. (laughs) So I was able to help translate, no pun intended, just some of the legal terms and Mm -hmm. some of the process or at least try to figure out if he was seeing the right people. Mm. One of the ways I feel like Jesus called us to serve these people was, again, to love them. In my opinion, one of the ways that Jesus calls us to love is to not pass judgment Mm. on where people are in their process. Mm -hmm. So going back to Stas, he had said, he's not sure if he's a coward for not going back to Ukraine and for coming here. Mm. In our conversation, when he said that, I never confirmed nor denied. I never said, oh, no, you're not a coward. Oh, no, hero for coming here. I never said anything. I was just there, just listening. And I realized that that's all he needed, which is for someone to hear him. And then the next step was, you know, I talked about, you know, you are here now. You're in. So how do you start? How do you start your life here and move forward Mm -hmm. in an honorable and in an honest way? Not that he wasn't honorable or he mm-hmm. wasn't honest, but, you know, how do you not take shortcuts mm-hmm. and attain your legal citizenship and get your work fees and everything here correctly? It might be the slowest way, <laughs> yeah. but it's definitely the correct way. And so then helping him with that process. Yeah. He was very receptive to that. Mm-hmm. He was very receptive. He's following your lead in a lot of ways because he trusts that you're a fair guide and an honest broker in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And they're not under your wing anymore, like you mentioned. They're now out. But you have to be intentional about that relationship. Sandy had a question for you, too, here before we move on to the next thing about your kids. Actually, I wanted to ask him about their kids. Well, there you go. Let you ask that question first, then. (laughs) Okay. I was just wondering about the way that your kids were able to interact with this family and how you see this has grown them and stretched them and what kind of lessons are you hoping that they take away from this time? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think the most joy I had was watching my kids with them because they would always ask, oh, where are Stas and Diana? Or Mm. are they going to be here before we go to bed? I want to say goodnight to them. Mm. Seeing through a child's perspective and through child's eyes is very humbling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's wonderful. (laughs) But there was no fear in them. We mentioned to them that we were going to have a couple living in our home and we were going to help them because they didn't have a home. Both my son and my daughter, they asked the question, well, why don't they have a home? And so we had to explain what was happening. You could see how sad, even with the brief conversation of what they could understand, how sad they were. When Max and I wanted to teach them, we said, you know, we feel like we can be the hands and feet of Jesus by having them live with us because they don't have a home. Would that be okay with you? And they said, yeah, mommy, like they don't have a home. They need a home. Mm -hmm. So they were very receptive. They were not fearful. They even wanted to learn some Ukrainian. So they would ask, how do you say this? And so we even tried to do that. We, I said, well, just ask them, ask them how you say breakfast or lunch or whatever they had. They were very involved with the learning process and wanting to know about them and what they speak. So that was fun to watch and to listen to it was not a barrier. Good. It wasn't a barrier. They drew pictures for them and it was so sweet. We saw those same pictures that they colored 
especially my daughter. She loves to color. She said, this one's for Diana or this one's for Stas. And she even made a, a necklace and gave it to them. And it was sweet to see them. They put it in their car. And I saw it every time he pulled up, he had it on the dashboard. <laughs> she would wear the necklace. And to me, I was never scared. I was never worried. And I, I'm praying that my children saw when there's someone in need, God calls us to help in ways that we can. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw, to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon, even as this rescue operation rapidly sweeps the refugees farther west, away from the fighting. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please, give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. Bless you, friends, for your brave and activist faith. And now, back to our discussion. I'm praying that my children saw when there's someone in need, God calls us to help in ways that we can and what our family was capable of having someone in our home. We had the opportunity and in our stage of life and where we're at, we had that opportunity. So I'm praying that my kids saw that they were even sad Mm -hmm. that they left. You've set the bar for them. I mean, you've shown Mm -hmm. them without teaching, preaching, admonishing or whatever, you've just lived it for them and shown them this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You're living that for them. Sometimes we don't have to use those words with our children when they can actually see the example. And I think the same with Stas and Diana. You've, you've lived that for them. And mm-hmm. as they saw you be confident in the relationship that they could have with your children, That gives them confidence, I think, then to feel relaxed and not to worry and not to be fearful themselves. I don't know how many times we've thought about it over the years working with refugees or going to refugee camps, but how horribly fearful it would be to be in such an unfamiliar place and not know anyone and not Mm -hmm. know the language and not even really know how to go to the grocery store to buy the basic things that I needed But to have someone help me and to share with me and to show me 
Without patronizing. Without patronizing yeah. is such a great gift. And you guys have given the gift of dignity to this yeah. family. And back to the kids again, I see in Max's example, from the way you describe your progress towards this goal of being available to God where you are, it was because you already had a heart for going wherever God would take you. So you had mm. made all these preparations spiritually, emotionally, economically to be available and ready to go at the drop of a hat to help somebody somewhere around the globe. And because of your medical profession that you're in, you thought that would be a perfect entree to be able to serve where those places were. And God, for whatever reason, threw a pandemic in there and other family issues that kept you right where you are and said, wait, your kids got to see you go through those stages, too. Mm. You know, I believe they'll remember that. Mm. I hope so. And we were even talking like we'd be open to having another one. Awesome. We had such a positive experience. It just confirms when you just trust that God's in it and he is always faithful. Obviously, he closed certain doors and he opened other ones through this experience. It's just given us another perspective, helping us learn another culture, opening our eyes to more worldly things. Mm -hmm. And again, how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus? And for us, this is what we can do to love on a family who needs it most right now. Hopefully not just one experience, but at the start of something big for you all and a a lifestyle. I hope so. We've got a few more minutes here. So what I'd like to do is have the two of you just kind of think through, if I could tell anybody that it would be in my situation where we were at the beginning of this year, who thought they might be able or willing, but they don't know what to do next. You all had your own doubts to work through or your questions you had to have answered along the way. What would you say to encourage people like you that have room in their homes? They have young families that want to get to know the world and they want to be engaged in what God's doing. How would you encourage them to go through the steps you went through and prepare for the opportunity to serve and love, perhaps by even bringing in a refugee family into their own homes? I would have to say overarching theme in our walk during this whole process was that my wife and I were spiritually on the same page Mm. of wanting to be able to serve in the same way. Again, both Leslie and I did not just want to donate money, donate goods. We wanted to donate more of ourselves. Mm actually truly serve. Being on the same page in our marriage. Exactly. Was... And being very cohesive in that yeah. because we both had to be all in yeah. on this. It'd be difficult to be having to compete with somebody else's dream within your own family. So a unified right. dream is really important. Correct. My wife has always been one who very much that Ephesians wife to where she has respected me as long as I have loved and honored her. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So what I mean by that is when we had these people coming, when we were first scheduled to meet with this couple, Leslie and I sat down and we physically wrote out some ground rules. You know, Mm -hmm. for example, there was uncertainty in this situation. And so I had prayed like, okay, well, how can we bring some certainty and some guidelines for this. So one of the examples was no drugs mm-hmm. in our home. Right. They could drink alcohol if they chose to, but they could not be drunk. Another thing was no reason for them to be in our children's bedroom. Right. Right. Absolutely no reason for that. There were some things I remember when Leslie and I were working this, when we were writing these down, she said, well, I don't know. Should you really say that? Max, <laughs> or, well, no, Leslie, we need to be abundantly clear and just draw a line in the sand and say, this is the rule. My wife really respected me on that. 
And then when we were able to go and be put into a situation with so much uncertainty, since my wife and I both desire the same thing, and that was to serve these people and uh, have God use us, God brought that certainty in just many different ways. A quiet confidence. Exactly. For that husband and wife who are unsure of, you know, how they could help or how they could move forward and, you know, helping these refugees, I would just encourage them to be praying together. Yeah. Synchronized um, heart. Exactly. And... and just for cohesion. And then God will absolutely bring certainty in the uncertainty. Six or so weeks is not a long chapter in your life, but of course, it's just the seed of something that God's growing in you. And those people are still in your community and you can be intentional to get into them over years. I would guess, too, that what you said about that line in the sand, making sure that your your kids' safety is acknowledged, is important to everybody, and that everyone has a role to play in protecting the children. I imagine that would get tested a bit when your kids' notion of welcome is bigger than your own. And they want to drag people in to see what they're doing in their bedrooms and stuff and keeping them on your team so that they understand that there are appropriate barriers here without making them feel unnecessarily afraid of something. That's where a lot of the sermon and prayers got to go into these things. How do you prepare the family if God really is calling you all together to minister this way? They had a role to play, too, and they had a, a rightful place to receive. And they're blessed from this experience, too. They have new friends. I imagine they probably think of them as uncles and aunts now. Sure, um, yeah. So what's the final word you would say for those who are on the fence? They think or they know they should care about refugees, but they really don't know what to do next or know if it's the right thing to do. What would you say to do right now? Pray. <laughs> I guess that's a very simple word. I think the word that comes to my mind when you ask that is, am I willing? Mm -hmm. That was the question I asked. I said, am I, am I willing to do this? Even if I'm scared, I feel like if we're willing, God provides, you know, he equips those who say yes to him. Prayer goes before everything. So really really pray about it. If, if you're on the fence, like, oh man, what should I do? I want to say, just take a leap of faith and do it because you never know what God's going to do in that. And wouldn't it be amazing to be a part of something bigger than yeah. you and be a part of something that is going to affect the lives of hurting people. You never know how far that's going to take them if they will hopefully find Jesus in a whole new way and to save that relationship or strengthen or just share the good news of that God is still here and God still knows your situation. For me, was I scared? Yes. <laughs> Were things uncertain? Absolutely. <laughs> but I think if, if you say, all right, Lord, if you want this, I kind of put my fleece out mm -hmm. there. I said, Lord, I'm going to fill out this application if you are in this and if you want us to host, then I know we'll get a call. So that was the first step. I'm going to take the step of filling it out and putting it out there. I said, all right, Lord, it's on you. I did my job. <laughs> I said I was willing and I waited for the call. And we waited <laughs> and we waited. And, you know, some time went by and I, I said, well, we'll just keep praying. Like, I don't know. And then the call happened. So I think a willing heart for me, that's what the Lord wanted of Leslie. He wanted me to say yes and to trust. And he provided. He provided everything else. There was no issue. And he brought the peace, too. Mm -hmm. So I think when you humble yourself and say, okay, God, I'm willing, 
he works in amazing yeah. ways. And this was another way to see that in a tangible way. I think sometimes God has to really wreck us to bring us to a place mm-hmm. of surrender and Absolutely. really praying the kind of bold prayers that you're praying. You know, God, use me. You know, chances are he's gonna, if you ask him to. <laughs> and it's, then you say, dangerous yeah, prayer. then you have to say, oh, wait, is this really what I want? Do I really want him <laughs> to use me? And at what cost? Yeah. And how is this going to affect my marriage and my children and my home? All of those things. So I'm so proud of you guys. I, I was so honored to meet you, Leslie, and Max will meet you in person sometime soon, I hope, You're too. Better. But but I just think <laughs> you guys are a great example of what Jesus means when he says, take up your cross and follow me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's going to be a great walk. It's going to be a great journey and adventure for you. Already is. Yeah. You've already been the feet and hands of Jesus. You've done the things. So... You worry sometimes whether or not you're making an impact on people. Will they actually notice? I don't always know if the work that we do is noticed or is appreciated or is even perceived by some people. But I do know that when you are being Jesus, they've seen him. You know, it's not like, did you do it well enough so they actually see Jesus? Yeah, they saw Jesus. Whether you think they did or not, they were looking at his eyes through yours because you are the body. And in living that out, you're just giving assent to that truth that God is already inhabiting, is already there with you and in you and through you. He's going to be the one that sorts out how it plays out in the lives of others. But we just have to be satisfied in saying yes. Mm-hmm. And you've done that. So thank you for being that example for us. And I look forward to more stories, too, about this. If you have another opportunity to host somebody and there's more stories that build on that, or you flesh out that relationship at a distance with your friends, Sas and Tiana. Tiana. Tiana, yep. <laughs> that you would be able to tell us more about that. We'd love to even meet them someday if they feel like they were brave enough mm-hmm. to come share their story directly with us. <laughs> but you're obviously a big part of their story now. So thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. My thanks to Max and Leslie Hackett for their story of faith and action helping Ukrainian refugees. You can help out too. Just contact us today to be part of our Serve Ukraine project. If you believe hearing the good news from the front lines of faith builds your faith, then let us know today. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.